So we're in a series called Monday to Sunday, and over the past few weeks, we've been talking about this whole idea of Monday to Sunday. What does that mean? I'm not going to go, if you could, go back and get the last two sermons, and please go through those if you've missed those. Um, this whole idea of being faith active. Monday to Sunday means being faith active in every single area of your life. At work, at school, at home, it doesn't matter on the field. Just being taken your faith to every single part of your life. You don't have to quit your job and go to work at the church in order to truly serve God. That's what we're talking about here. You don't have to say, you don't have to wait until you're retired in order to truly serve God, get involved, and really, really do some work in ministry. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Sean said, there's only one thing that truly matters. And he was talking about Matthew 22, 33 through 40, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. That's what matters for all of us. If you're doing that, then you're in the will of God. You're in the calling of God. You're doing what God wants you to do, to love him with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. Now, I know that we all know that intellectually, right? When I say it, oh, you know, you don't have to quit your job in order to be able to serve the Lord and work in the church. And I know we know that intellectually. In fact, I'm sure that you can think of so many people, individuals in the Bible who were fully engaged, fully engaged in the Lord's work, but they had jobs in the world. They were, they, their jobs were actively involved. In, they were actively involved in the world. And they were fully engaged in the Lord's work. And they loved the Lord their God with all of their heart and all of their soul and all of their mind and all of their strength. You can think of people, Priscilla and Aquila were tent makers, Right? Daniel was in government service. I mean, you can kind of just go rolling through and Luke was a doctor. All of them fully engaged, faithfully serving the Lord with all their heart and all their soul and all their mind and all of their strength. Too often we think that God's calling is something that is set aside for people who are engaged in vocational ministry. If you're called, if you're called, you'll quit your job, right? If you're called, you'll quit your job and you'll have to take on a job, some job that we come up with within the church and you get paid for it there or else you're not really called. And and that's the mindset of, of most people in the world. But he also calls people to other areas of service. He also calls other people to other vocations, if you will. There's no question that God calls some people into vocational ministry. And and in some cases, he calls them in a supernatural way, right? The the prophet Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, it says this, The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. There, there's, there's also the example of Paul on the road to Damascus, right? Where he has a supernatural calling, if you will, of God on his life. But here's the reality. Most pastors in the church did not have a Damascus road experience. Most pastors in the church had gifts 
And those gifts aligned with the needs of the church. Most pastors, they're gifted in a certain area and they felt like, hey, I could use this within the body of Christ to serve God and to impact, impact people for Jesus Christ. So it wasn't some supernatural call upon their lives. In a sense it was, but I'm talking about a Damascus Road kind of experience. For most people, for most people in vocational ministry, their needs, okay, the needs of the church, their gifts met those needs. Many missionaries, people were maybe sitting out here and someone gets up and starts talking and saying, we're doing this in Africa, or we're doing this over here, or we're doing this in Asia. And someone in the congregation says, you know what, I, I have those gifts, I have those talents, I have that passion, I have those abilities. I can meet that need. And they take their gifts, their talents, and abilities, and they go and they meet that need because they're, they're just, this is, this is what God has designed the way that God has designed me. And I'm going to take this design now and I'm going to use it within this vocational ministry, if you will, to glorify him, to build the kingdom of God. God led them into ministry by ordinary means. I, I, we're, we've been talking about this whole idea of marketplace ministry and being faith active in every, every area of your life. And I don't know how many of you have come to me and said, hey, I'm really, I'm really jazzed about this idea. I mean, this is really, the scales have kind of fallen off my eyes and I can see maybe for the first time I feel, one person said, I feel born again, again. That I can use my gifts and I can use my talents and I can use my abilities and what God, has, what he, how he's designed me to impact the world. And, and so, so many of you are using your gifts and your talents and your abilities. And, and, it's, and, and, and you're not really, in many cases, it's not like you feel the supernatural calling, if you will. It's, by, it's not by extraordinary means that many of us serve. It's by ordinary means. We know how we're gifted. So many of you, again, are using your gifts, talents, and abilities to, to glorify God and to further the kingdom of God in what you're doing right now, in the area of your life where you're serving right now. That's why I feel that it's so important that every member considers themselves a minister. That's the way we think here at Grace Chapel. Every member is a minister, and every job, you need to realize, we need to think and realize that every job is important within the church, and if we're serving the Lord, loving the Lord with all of our heart and soul and mind, then outside of the church, in your job, you are glorifying God. You are building the kingdom of God, and whatever you do, whatever you do, Whatever you do, God can use you in your chosen field to glorify him and to build his kingdom. And whatever, I'm going to say it again, whatever you do. He called, he called Noah and he called Abraham and he called Joseph and he called Daniel by super, by, if you will, by supernatural means. Though none of them was in what we would call vocational ministry. So I'm, I'm trying to mix this all together. I want you to understand that, okay? Some, some people called into vocational ministry were called by supernatural means. Most, in the sense of being knocked off your donkey or whatever, on uh, the Damascus Road or Jeremiah getting a dream and God specifically telling, here's what I want you to do. Most is by not extraordinary things, but by ordinary means. 
God has done the same for you. If, you. if you are serving him, if your desire is to love him with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, and you're doing that within the vocation that you're involved in now, then you are being used by God. You are glorifying God in what you're doing. You think about the people I just mentioned, right? Joseph and Daniel. I mean, go through and, and, and just the, the, the guys, Abraham, Jonah, you go through this list and these are some of the heroes of the Bible. These are the people that we want to be like. These are the people that we use as examples and we say, here's the kind, here's the kind of spiritual walk that you should have. But none of them was involved in, if you will, vocational ministry like within the church or the synagogue. If they... If they use their gifts to glorify God, then I would see that as a spiritual calling to their specific vocation. If they're using what God has designed and gifted them to do within the context of glorifying God, loving him with all their heart, then they have been called into their specific vocation. See, here's the thing. You just need to shift your way of thinking. And I said this last week, but we have been lied to, if you will, over the years, all right, for years and years and years, that somehow uh, I'm the pastor. We talked about this, right, Plato, and this, this secular, sacred mindset that permeates our entire culture and our church culture. And that somehow, because I'm the pastor, that I'm, I'm in the sacred realm, this is a sacred position. I'm in a sacred job. You, on the other hand, because you go work at your other jobby jobby, you're second-class spiritual citizens, right? Right? Always that's how you felt. Like second-class kind of, you're not, you know, you're, you're, you're a Christian, but, you know, I'm here and you're secular, right? You're in your secular job, so you're here. And that's not biblical at all. That's not a biblical worldview. We keep on saying this. If, if, it's, if it's not sinful, it's right. If it's not sinful, it's right. So if you're going to work every day thinking, how can I glorify God in my work? Then you're doing something sacred. There should be no separation. That's what I'm trying to mix this all, to, all together. You need to shift. We all need to shift our way of thinking. You need to, you need to look at your God-given abilities. You need to look at your God-given gifts. And then you need to ask yourself a very simple question, okay? What matters most? Look at your gifts, look at your talents, look at your abilities, and then ask yourself along with that, what matters most to you? If your answer is to love my God with all of my heart and all of my soul and all of my mind, okay, if that's your answer, then you are glorified. You are doing something sacred in whatever you're doing. If you walk out on the field with the, with the idea that all I want to do is crush the opponent, I don't care, I'll cheat, I'll do whatever I have to do, well, then, then you're doing something honestly sinful. If you walk out on the court and you think, I want to win, <laughs> I want to win, but I'm not going to cheat to do it. I'm not going to harm my opponent to do it. I'm not going to do something that would be immoral to do it. I'm not going to, I'm going to have goods. Then you're doing something sacred. We need to have that kind, that, that new mindset. You know, people will often say, and, I, and, it, and it makes me sad, over the years that's made me sad, people will say, well, that guy, that pastor is anointed, or that worship leader is anointed, or that missionary is anointed. 
The congregation, the people will say, that person's anointed. Like that they could never. That's something saved for the sacred positions in Christian in Christianity. But but the idea that you could be anointed, and then all of a sudden you start you start reading, you start studying, you start realizing anointing. Anointing is when the Holy Spirit meets my willing gift. Think about it. Let it sink in. Write that down. Anointing is when the Holy Spirit of God meets my willing gift, my gifts, my talents, my abilities, and they come, they come together. To me, to me, it's kind of like a formula, all right? It's, it, it helps me understand it like a formula. You, you take your gifts, your talents, and your abilities, and then you add your love for God. So every single person in the room has gifts that God has given them, and you have talents and you have abilities. You're shaped for ministry, your experiences, right? Your personality, all of that comes together, and you put it with your love for God, and then you pour in the Holy Spirit into that equation and he's the bonding agent of those things. So now my gifts and everything and my love for God has been bonded together by the Holy Spirit and that's anointing. And I was talking to Pastor Sean uh, on Friday and we were just kind of going over the notes and everything and he said, you know, I have another thought. He said, it's like a torch. He said, you know, you take a stick and like, you put it in a fire. And this is my, these are my words. But you take the stick and you put, you want to light your way. You want a torch as a kid or whatever. And you put it in there and you can put that stick in that fire. When you pull it out, it'll be lit for a minute, right? Then the stick goes out and it starts to smolder, get some smoke. But if you take your stick and you, and you anoint that stick with oil, or you smear, if you smear that stick with oil, you know what's going to happen? That stick's going to light. That torch is going to burn on and on and on and on because you have, you have anointed, you have smeared it. So anointing actually, anoint means to smear, all right? So this is what I want you to understand. So, so, so God, God can smear God can anoint you for business. God can anoint me to be a pastor, teacher, whatever else. So you say, you could say that I knew a guy in my last church. Boy, he was, he, he was anointed or that person's anointed. But here's the thing. God, the Father, can anoint you for business. He can anoint you as a teacher. He can anoint you as a musician. He can anoint you as an artist. He can anoint you. He can, why? Because it's when my gifts come together with the Holy Spirit, that's the anointing. So whatever I'm doing, if I'm doing it and I'm loving it, my main priority is to love God with all my heart, my soul, my mind. It doesn't matter if you work like I did at Exxon and you're cleaning up cigarette, cigarette butts off the parking lot and cleaning up the oil and doing what they're telling you to do. Why? Because I do it from, out of my love for God. I do it out of my love for God and I am worshiping God in what I do. You go to work tomorrow. When you go to work tomorrow, you're going to work to worship God through what he's gifted you to do. Even if you're not very good at it right now because you're just doing it because you need the money. You can go to work tomorrow and look around you at the people around you and say, I'm going to invest, I'm going to do something kind for that person. I'm going to say something nice to that person. I'm going to do something that encourages that person. That is worshiping God. And when we, when we start thinking like the only place I can worship God is on a Sunday morning, the enemy has won. 
Enemy has robbed us of so much that God wants to do in our lives. See, we've been talking about this Monday to Sunday life and how we should live every moment of our lives to glorify God, living this, this full circle, right? Sunday to Monday, Monday to Sunday, full circle life. Everything we do, we bring faith into everything we do. We are faith active. And when we leave this place, whatever you're going to do, when you leave here, you need to be faith active in what you're doing. I don't care if you're eating, hanging out, hanging with family, going to play some sport. It doesn't matter. Go to your soccer game and be faith active in your soccer game. How would Jesus play soccer? Perfectly, right? Score all the goals. <laughs> no, he probably passed everybody else and he had like a thousand assists or whatever, right? How would Jesus play soccer? We need to be faith active in everything that we do. We need, to, we need to live our lives that way because I believe that God anoints people in different areas of, of their lives. I believe that God has called Joe Ply into law. I believe that God has called Jacob and Chris Shaw into teaching. I believe that God has called, God called Dave Brown and Will Housh and, and Rick, Rick Henson and Gerald Proudfit, I can go on and on and on, to business. I know, how, I, know how they, I know how they were when they were in business. I know how they lived when they were in business, the kinds of things they tried to do. I believe that, that Karen Buttermeyer is called to accounting. She's outstanding at that. I, I, I truly believe that Brenda Patton was called into counseling. These are all people within the body of Christ. God calls people. God anoints people. If we are taking our gifts and it's matching up with the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to use those gifts to glorify God, that's called an anointing. You can be anointed for business. You can be anointed as a teacher. You can be anointed as a pastor. You know, and here's the cool things. Sometimes, sometimes God actually moves people around. You say, well, there, you know, I, you know God actually can, can move you at different times in your life to different places, switch people around. You, you, think of, you think of Peter, right? Peter was a fisherman who turned, to a, and turned into an evangelist. God then basically said, okay, you know, drop your nets, come and follow me. And he went from a fisherman to basically being an evangelist, just like, our, just like Andy Keimer. Andy Keimer used to be a, a teacher at Mason for junior high, and he used to be the varsity basketball coach at Cincinnati Hills, and now he's our youth pastor. David Remock used to be in, 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 the, in the finance area. He also used to do like, like um, project management, and now he's our pastor of community life. There are others like Jared Martin, who used to be a pastor, and Andrew Conrad used to be a missionary. Now they run their own company. So are they? So as God mixes all these things around, it's like, okay, show me where the show me where the anointed Christian is. It's like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? They're all anointed. They can all be anointed. I'm not saying every. Everybody who does anything out in the world is anointed. I'm saying if they love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, and mind. And if they're allowing the Holy Spirit to use them, then they are anointed by God in what they're doing. Each person is using their lives as directed by God to build the kingdom. That's what we're talking about. That's what's so awesome. That's Monday to Sunday. There are people in this church, 
like Don Lovell and Phil Hess out here who does the coffee and everything, who works, who serves so much in the church, you'd think they were on staff with the church. What's the difference here? You think God looks down? Well, you didn't, you're not getting paid, so... No. It's probably... You know what I'm saying? This is, what, this is the way God thinks. I designed... If, 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 if he were speaking, he would say, I designed and created every single one of you. Not to be second-class citizens. Not to work in the secular world and have that have no spiritual value whatsoever. I designed you to go into the world to impact people's lives and to build my kingdom. Each of us needs to literally blur the lines, if you will, and see everything in our lives of, as a service to our God. Everything in our lives becomes service to our God. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. Someone tell me something that doesn't fit into the category of whatever. Anybody? Seriously, let's just take a moment. I want someone to come up with something that doesn't fit into the category when Jesus, when God says everything and whatever, anything you can think of that doesn't fit into whatever? So let's read it again. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. See, if you're working outside of the church, you need to look at the marketplace as your mission field. You need to look at the the. the, the economic, the marketplace as your mission field. If you're a teacher, then your school is your mission field. If you're a, if you're a stay-at-home mom, then your family, your neighborhood, whatever you choose, that becomes your mission field. That's your mission field. We all have different missions. You don't have to go to Africa to be a missionary. You need to be, you need to be a teacher. Go be a teacher. Impacting people's lives. I, I, watch, I, I have Facebook and I see some of the things you do in your classrooms as teachers and I, I, it cracks me up. I wish I had you. I really do. You're so creative. You're so dynamic. You care so much about the kids. You put so much effort into it. That is glorifying God. See, and this whole, this whole, this whole thought process leads right into my next reason why I think every one of you, every member, every person in the church should see themselves as a minister. Every person here should see themselves as a minister. The church, this facility, okay, is not the best place to reach out, okay, and, 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 and find people who don't know the Lord, if, if you will. It's not the best place to, to reach people who don't know Christ. Like this building during the week. If you all huddled in here every, seven days a week, I don't think this building would be the best place for us to reach out to those who need to know the love of God. Your school's a better place. Your office is a better place. Your, 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 the court sometimes, the basketball court is a better place. The, the soccer field is a better place. I mean, your neighborhood is a better place to reach people who may not know the Lord. The most effective evangelists are not always the staff of the church. That may not be their, their area of giftedness. They all, obviously, we all should share Christ. But when we, you become a pastor, one of the most difficult things is trying to get around people, trying to take, find the time to get around people who don't know the Lord. So you're the most effective ministers, if you will, if you think about it. And there's a simple reason for that. Again, you spend way, way, way more time 
with people who don't know Christ than I do. Most people in this room spend way more, much more time than I do or the pastors do um, interacting with people who, who may not know the Lord. And that's why Grace Chapel has always embraced this incarnational vision, okay, of ministry. This whole idea when Jesus was here, how did he do it? How did he minister? And how can we, this is what this is all about, this series is all about, how can we become more like him? How can we become more like Jesus Christ? That's our goal. You know, the Bible says that the job of a pastor is to equip and involve you, to engage you, to teach you, to train you to do works of service. That's really our main job, to invest in you to do works of service. It says in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, listen to this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to what? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Most of you spend, so many of you spend a large part of your life in the marketplace. And if you're younger, you spend so much of your time in school. You're in a far, you're in a far better position than the average pastor to influence people who don't know Christ. You just are. So wouldn't it be best for us? Wouldn't it be better for all of us to get this biblically-minded thought process to hold on to this biblical worldview instead of a secular, sacred worldview where I'm the pastor and you, you all give and you hire us to go out? Isn't it, think about this as a, as a strategy, okay? The church hires a few people, depending on their size, to do all the ministry, is that, I mean, I'm just going to use, if you're younger here, I'm using this in a biblical term, okay? Isn't that stupid? Seriously? That's biblically stupid thought process. That the, a church of, of thousands would hire some people who would do all the work of ministry. That's just, that's just, that's just stinking thinking. That's the best way I can put it. That's just a bad way to think about it. God calls each of us to influence people. And wherever he has placed us to influence people who have... You know, again, most of you will engage with people that I may never see, people that may never enter the church if you're not the one reaching out and inviting them to be a part of it. See, these are all reasons why we have, if you will, a marketplace pastor, Pastor Kevin Schweiger, that's why, we, that's why we have a marketplace pastor so that pastor can specifically train and engage with you and help you do what we're talking about here. Because I don't want to get you all dressed up and have no place to go, honestly. That's annoying to people in the congregation. Let's talk about something and then get you all fired up and all excited. I had someone walking over here before I came up to speak. Hey, I've been listening to what you were singing about this marketplace ministry stuff. I love it. I want to start a business. Can you help me start my business and make it more of a business tree? Yes. And we have a full-time staff person. Matter of fact, we have more than that who will help you do that. That's what we want to do. It's honestly, it, it, it's, it's the reason we built the Orca Center and we have Orca co-working. It's the reason we have an, we're building an ideation room so that P&G and GE and who have called and asked about it 
We'll have a place to come and off-site and get off-site and just invest in their employees and come up with creative new ideas. It's the reason that we incubate and accelerate business trees. It's the reason that we have business trees on this campus and we go through all this marketplace ministry and have that work on purpose. It's the reason that we do all of those things. To, we want our goal, our goal is to equip you. We want to, and, and on this campus as we lay those things out, we want to create opportunities to share God's love with other people. Most churches, not criticizing, I'm just stating a fact, hear my heart. Most churches that you, we have all grown up in, they build a huge facility and they use it on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, and Wednesday nights. Cost you millions of dollars to build it for three times a week. I don't care, you come here any day you want to, and some days there's as many cars in the parking lot on a, on a, on a Friday or a, a Tuesday or whatever than there is on Sunday morning. So many people here on campus using the Grace Impact Center, using, using doing Orca co-working, um, all kinds of things going on. It gives us an opportunity to, to reach out to our community and say, we love you, we want you to use these facilities, and it gives us an opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ with as many people as possible. That, that's why we have impact groups in our youth ministry. Impact groups are evangelistic in nature. We want our, we want our students to be camp, become campus on their campus ministers. We want them to minister on their, we want the students, the high school students and junior high students to see themselves as ministers on their campus. What is wrong with that? When I was a youth pastor, one of my goals was that when our kids graduated in you know, high school, college, whatever, and went into the world, and they had a vision of what they felt God was calling them to do, and people said, that's just ridiculous, that'll never happen. I wanted them to say, are you joking? We did that kind of stuff in junior high. We pulled stuff like that off in high school. I want them to have this like, there, nothing is impossible with God kind of attitude. And that's what the attitude that we need to have. And we need to have it as adults so that our students, our children are looking at us. And when we're all finished here, when we're older and we're all kind of sitting back and letting them kind of do all the hard work and just complaining about it. Um, when that happens, okay, they'll be thinking, oh gosh, we got to outdo these old, <laughs> you know what I mean? Our parents did this, we need to do this, and there's nothing we can't do. We have to have that mentality that God can use every single one of us. It's why we do what we do. I said it earlier that we have an incarnational vision, an incarnational philosophy of ministry. How did Jesus reach people when he was here? Okay, I'm going to walk you through this. In, in John chapter 2, verse 24, it says that Jesus knew it was in a person. In other words, he could read their minds and he could read their hearts. So if he walked into this room and he was going to share his love with you and share the gospel with you, he could literally read. He'd know what, you, what happened with you as a child. He'd know what your, your, your personality um, defects are, if you will. He'd know why you are the way that you are and he could speak right to you. Jesus Christ had the same message. We all should be sharing the gospel. Same message, but a different approach depending on who he was talking with. He talked to fishermen. He talked to prostitutes and tax collectors and Pharisees and Sadducees. He talked to fishermen. He talked to farmers. Okay? He talked to all these different people. And he, he knew he, would, he could speak into their hearts because he knew their language. He understood their language because he, he said to fishermen. What did he say to fishermen? I'll make you what? 
What do you think he talked about with farmers? Vines, seeds, branches, right? They're like, oh, they're all keyed in. They understood it. He understood, he understood people and how they function. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 11, Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So we got to ask ourselves, he's saying, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Well, how did Paul live and how did he minister? Full circle, baby. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23, it says this. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from, the, I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessing. Okay, and then he goes on. If you, if you read on, Paul, Paul could not read people's minds. Paul could not read people's hearts. So he had to invest in people and learn and try to understand them so, he could, so the people that he, was, that he loved and he wanted to lead to Christ. In Acts, in Acts chapter 17 and verse 28, he said, as some of your, he's going and he's trying to share the gospel and he says, as some of your own poets have said, how the heck would Paul know what some of their own poets have said? You know why? How he knew that? Because he studied their culture. He understood their culture. He took the time to invest himself in the lives of people so that he could minister to them. How much time do we spend investing in the people that we work with, that we play with on the field, that are who are neighbors, investing in their lives to understand, to understand what makes them tick so that when we speak with them, we can speak with them in such a way that, they'll, that they will understand what we're saying that they will be drawn to what we're saying because we're speaking to them in such a way that we're, we're speaking to their hearts. We're speaking to the very heart of what maybe they've been through. Jesus lived a Monday to Sunday life. He saw everything. He saw every day, every moment as an opportunity to share the gospel and to build the kingdom. That was Jesus' life. Life to Jesus was more like spaghetti than it was waffles. And you're thinking, okay, the guy's lost it. Hear me out for a second. The, your mindset, this is why I want your mindset to be. And you can get this analogy in your, your, thought, in, in your thought process. When I say spaghetti, what I'm talking is a holistic view of life, a holistic spiritual view of life, an eternal perspective of life. Because when you take spaghetti and you dump it in the, in the pot, the spaghetti pot, right? It's all like mashed. You can't tell where one starts and the other ends. It's, that's, it's just one, it's one holistic view, Monday to Sunday, one holistic view of life. Waffles, on the other hand, you have a waffle and you have like, you know, little squares in your waffle. And that's how most of us live our lives. We're living 
living not like spaghetti. We're living like waffles. Waffles like, oh, Sunday I go to church and that's spiritual. And then on Monday I go to work and that's secular. And then I go hang out with my buddies and, sh- and we go to Top Golf and we do, and that's secular. And then we do this. And it's like, and you compartmentalize and there's a waffle. And then, oh, it, wait a second, it's waffle time again over here and it's a spiritual. I'm going to my Bible study. That's not how Jesus saw things. He didn't waffle think. He he spaghetti thought. Jesus, (laughs) if it helps you remember, I don't care, okay? Jesus lived a Monday to Sunday life. Paul lived a Monday to Sunday life. We need, we all need to live a Monday to Sunday life. We need to bring our faith into every single thing that we do. It's like one big pot of spaghetti. That's the way we need to think. If there's no, it's like one, if you could have one long strand of spaghetti in that pot, that's the way we have to think. Everything from a spiritual perspective. We think of everything from an eternal perspective. We need to bring our faith into everything that we do. So, last thing here. How are we going to help you, all right? How are we going to help you be faith active in every single area of your life. Well, stay tuned because Pastor Kevin, okay, Pastor Kevin is going to help you in, the, in these next steps to your Monday to Sunday journey, okay? This full circle. Pastor Kevin is here. He's back from riding his bike across the world, all right? And he's here and he's going to help you. He's going to help you take the next steps on this Monday to Sunday journey. Let's bow our heads. God, thank you so, so much for who you are and what you mean in our lives. God, I pray, I honestly, Lord God, in all my heart pray that we would just shake our minds free from this lie that somehow you are not engaged in every single area of our lives. You are everything. You are everything and everything that we do, whatever, whatever we do, we should do it to the glory of God. We should do it for your glory. Whatever we do, when we're alone, when we're around people, whatever, when we're re- whatever we're doing, Lord God, I pray that you would truly help us to see that we should think, we should act, we should be like your son, Jesus Christ, in every single area of our lives. We love you, we praise you, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great, great week.